There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone. It's Helen here, the voice of Azu, Enola, and Laverne. Today, I'm here to tell you about Woe Begone, a podcast launched on the RQ network. Woe Begone is a weekly horror sci-fi audio drama series about the nature of power and the implications of linear time. Woe Begone follows Mike Walters, who discovers a mysterious and violent online game. What begins as an exploration of an alternate reality game with real-life consequences quickly becomes a search for the technology that makes the game possible. Each episode has a unique soundtrack composed by creator and writer Dylan Griggs. Listen to Woe Begone, spelled woe period begone, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or check out woebegonepod.com for episodes and transcripts. Have fun! And see you later. Hey everyone, Mike here, voice of Tim Stoker from the Magnus Archives, and I'm here to tell you about our new YouTube Let's Play series, NPC New Player Challenges, launching February 2022 on Rusty Quill's new channel, Rusty Quill Video. That's right, we're launching a shiny new gaming series to show off our favorite video games and some new ones as well, to test our hashtag gamer skills and have fun with friends and get a little bit competitive too. You see, it's a gaming series, but there's a catch. 
we won't just be playing the games, we'll be reinventing them a little. In every game we play, we'll be set a challenge by the producers that we'll need to overcome, and our community get to choose the reward for the winner. Each episode will be almost totally out of our hands. Scary. In the comments section, you can suggest what rewards you might like to see us win, and we'll select one totally at random, so long as it's actually achievable and not shipping one of us off on an all-expenses-paid round-the-world trip. Nice as that sounds. Every episode will be releasing on Patreon first before it airs on YouTube, which means if you're a Patreon, then you'll not only get to see the videos before everyone else, but you'll also get first votes on the rewards we could win. So get ready for NPC, New Player Challenges, releasing February 2022 on our brand new YouTube channel, Rusty Quill Video. Hello, and welcome. My name is Kareem Cronfley, and I play Simon Fairchild in the Magnus Archives, and you're listening to a cast commentary episode where three different groups of Magnus voice actors have got together to react to their favourite clips from the show. With me today I have... Hello there, my name is Alistair Stewart, I'm the co-owner of the Escape Artists Podcast Network, and on the Magnus Archives I played Peter Lucas, the unrequited hero of the show. Hi, my name is Imogen Harris. I played Helen Richardson on the Magnus Archives. My name is Faye Roberts. I played Daisy Tonner in the Magnus Archives. I'm Frank Voss and I played Basira in the Magnus Archives. Hello, I'm Ian Hales and I play Trevor Herbert on the Magnus Archives. Hello, I'm Francesca Reed and I played Julia Montauk on the Magnus Archives. As I stared at that window, I realised there was something... I don't know, off Episode 3. It looked different Across the street. Couldn't figure out Hello, what it was. John. Then I noticed it. At first, I'd just taken it to be a water pipe running down the side of the building, attached just below Graham's open window. Doesn't the his voice sound higher? Just a little bit, yeah. Fourth floor flat, his the window ledge much less evil at this point. Room <laughs> Still very human. It was long, straight, dark, and from what I could see, it just looked like a pipe. Except, I'd been watching that window for months now. Would have sworn that there had never been a pipe there before. And as I stared at it, it moved. It started to bend, slowly. I realised I was looking at an arm. A long, thin arm. As it bent the joint close to where the arm ended, I think I saw another joint further down also moving and bending what I could only assume were elbows it hooked so did you guys listen from the beginning or yeah I kind of bounced around and still do bounce around horror podcasts going this looks good I'll grab it I listened to the first one of this and went oh boy and just kind of glommed onto it from there on out I was recommended to listen to this one and I started listening to it going on my evening walks this one particularly, it was a dark and quite interesting night and having this particular scene described as the pipe slowly bending and bending arms and stuff and moving into a window, just really sort of, okay, this is, this is talking serious now, I'm hooked. <laughs> yeah, there's a sort of like relentless unpleasantness about Johnny's writing that it's sort of, like you want to get away but you can't. It's the voice, he sounds so nice. 
all the time, even in the later seasons where John's, you know, a bit evil. He, he's just like, no, you should sit there and I'll tell you this awful, awful thing that's about to happen. And you're like, do I get a biscuit? No. Okay. But on the discussion of evil, that's a whole different... That's effectively what the 200-odd episodes were about, really, wasn't it? What is evil? How would you describe it? <laughs> Not Peter Lucas. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not evil, just misunderstood. Well, Simon was ultimately very misunderstood, you know. He just wanted to have a good time. And he's so chirpy. I love Simon. <laughs> Seriously, a variation of, of your bye gets used at this house about once a week. <laughs> this is vintage Magnus, though, isn't it? Here's a really normal thing. Yeah. It's coming to kill you. <laughs> There's this perfectly normal bloke I seem to quite like. I like to get to know him, and then suddenly, what's this going on? Yeah. I mean, I love that as a thread that persists. Like, even the most evil characters have a sort of affability about them. Yes. It's one of the things I actually really loved about the finale. That there wasn't the traditional, now we blow up the Death Star moment. Or an old friend of mine coined the term resolution for when a story is finished by two men fighting on a bridge that's on fire. <laughs> and how you expect to have that big climactic moment. And then they show up in the tower and have the big climactic moment. And it's just nothing it's just the shell of a man being worn by something much bigger than he is and it, everyone is painfully human in this show even the people who work really hard on not being human it's the ultimate thing is what drives somebody to do something that one might describe as evil what are those motivations how can it be drawn forward in that way yeah i mean i definitely wouldn't describe my character as a villain I think, you know, she's strongly motivated and kind of a lot of fun. I don't think she's a bad person at all. Every time you turned up in season five, I was just like, oh, yeah, fun times. <laughs> I just, I love the dynamic between the three of you. John's just like, I am an avatar of darkness now. And Martin's like, you're going to stab me. And you're like, hey, guys, <laughs> how you been? Do you want to torment some people? I do. <laughs> Can I help you? This is the one where Daisy kidnaps John. Yeah. Detective? Shut up. Are you human? What? Is this man human? I... Uh, no. I, I don't think so. Not anymore. Right. What does it do? Uh, he... Uh, it feels like he, he makes you vertigo. Like you're falling. As he killed people? Uh, y yes. A, a few, I think. Does he need to see you to do it? Does he need to speak? I, I, I don't know. Okay. Doubt he can do it in a coma. Now turn that off and help me get him in the car. Don't try to run. What do you do? <clears throat> what did I say about questions? I said turn that off. I don't know why it makes me laugh. Just Daisy just what? coming right out of the gate. Like, all right, I'm going to just beat these people up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> shank him and shove him in my car. It was a bit of an odd one. I won't lie. You think he's going to save you? What? No. no. <gasps> Like, my third ever voice acting session, and I'm, like, <laughs> beating the shit out of people and shooting them. I think, up until this point, I'd only recorded with people that I already knew. Where's the spiderweb lighter? Yeah. So it's like, oh, here's a new person who I apparently have met before, but I do not recall. I <laughs> know. That's the thing. It took me, like, three sessions or more with you to go, oh, no, shit, I have met Frank. <laughs> It's just that Frank was covered in silver paint any of the other times I've met, and I was wearing a corset, so, yeah. Just another day in the life of the Edinburgh Fringe. And this is the thing, going from zero to this is a person I trust, and I will just stop my 
unholy mission just because she said so. That was... Why are you doing this? Tell me. It's quite an, an acceleration. It was interesting to come in because I'd already been joking, like, about Daisy and just coming in and being like, all right, here's my wife. <laughs> and just turning up, like, what's she done now? Some of the accents slipping a little bit, you have to say. <laughs> That's why I just don't do accents or I just don't modify my voice in any way. Well, you see, I was only ever supposed to do a one-off, so I was just like, yeah. You said you didn't want English people. They'd had enough English people. I was like, well, let's go back to my childhood. (laughs) I forgot how intense this was. Bless him. John's just pure academic. I don't know. Oh, wait, if I say yes, I could live. (laughs) I think it's like the gunshot when she shoots the other guy. It's just like... Oh, oh no. Yeah, I wasn't hearing any of this when we were recording, so Mm -hmm. to listen to this where essentially Daisy's kicked the door in, done a barrel run, just like laid everyone out or whatever, (laughs) and then just me looking down going, me? (laughs) Okay. I think it really does, like, it's a really good scene to just kind of cement how Daisy and Basira, what they are to each other and how they interact. Mm -hmm. The way that Daisy just stops dead when Basira calls her name. Yeah. Statement of Helen Richardson regarding, uh, how would you describe it? Miss Richardson? Uh, what? Your experience, how would you summarise it? Um, well, I've been, I've been trying to draw you a map, but it doesn't, it doesn't work. Right. Statement of Helen Richardson regarding a new door in the house she was selling. Statement recorded direct from subject, 2nd October 2016. Statement begins. Miss Richardson? There are no left turns. Look. Look, none. It just it just turns right. It doesn't make any sense. No, it wasn't a spiral because you couldn't you could also go forward. I mean I I did mostly just forward and the paths never got shorter. Like you were coming to a centre, they just kept going. It doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Look at it. Oh, Miss Look Richardson. at it. You're right. This map doesn't make any sense. After a few turns... It becomes a mess of impossible lines. I was originally only asked to do this one episode because Helen was supposed to die at the end of this or never come back. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like I was told it was just like a one-off one and then I lobbied hard. (laughs) I'm sure it was always in Johnny's mind. Like I'm sure he he had it all planned out and stuff, but I'm pretty sure that I was told it's just a one-off. Can you just come in? Oh, yeah. So I was very pleased when she came back. I'm going to just straight up fan scree for a moment because this, you can kind of put this at one end and Imogen from Stella Firma at the other and your range is just amazing. Oh, that's very sweet of you to say. Well, they're both tremendous fun to do. I love them both equally, both my dark children. It's always more fun to play the bad guys now, isn't it? Yes. Let's be honest. Definitely, yeah. They have more fun. It's one advantage of being a British accent in the international voice artist scenario. It's like, all the Americans, ooh. Sooner or later, you will get to say, oh, good evening, Mr. Bond. (laughs) Whenever two or three villains are gathered together in one place, then one shall have a British accent. Though, as I recall, when we recorded this, this was before we had a proper studio. So I don't know if you guys recorded in the same sort of area in the corridor that had been roped off with blankets and there was a disco light that they would put on to show when recording was happening. Oh, that's amazing. So that people didn't walk in. By the time I showed up, we'd graduated to the D&D room with all the audio panelling in it. And Alex's immense wall of mixers. Oh, yes. Oh, nice. Yeah, same for me. I was 151 was my first, so uh, it's a little further on. 
having listened to some of the other sort of retrospectives and hearing Johnny and Alex explaining how they migrated from the corridors to the various challenges they're in, it's, it's been where you are, where you are now sort of thing. Yeah, I don't want to sound old, but goodness me, this feels like a long time ago. Haven't we all come a long way? Well, I think the last two years have done most of that for us, to be perfectly honest. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still laughing because I don't want to stop. (laughs) One thing I've loved about this is Peter's avuncular nature and Simon trying to explain why he's the one who has to do the talking. Yes. (laughs) Alex gave me one of the best bits of direction I've ever been given, which is you are playing Kilgrave from Jessica Jones, as played by Stephen Fry. (laughs) (laughs) Fine. Don't move, either one of you. So this is us in America, isn't it? This is when we're running around America, basically being Giles and Boffy. I'm a bit trigger happy. (laughs) (laughs) Taking in the sights. (laughs) Me in the actual boot of the car or the trunk of the car. I love the fact that she just drives around with him in there. For a bit. You look at my neck, it don't feel right. Oh, you knew it might take a while. Oh, is this him then? It is. John. Trevor. Uh, to Trevor Herbert, the, the vampire killer. Julia. He works for the Magnus Institute. He's read all about us. Oh. Well, isn't that something? My thoughts exactly. <laughs> Time for that later. You two helping or what? This one needs its head off. You didn't kill it? We don't know what it is yet, do we? Oh. So sarcastic, the both of them. So very over life. (laughs) This is what I love about their little relationship. It's just full of bicker, isn't it? It's like they kind of found each other and and complain at life whilst killing abominations. I really enjoyed it as well because it was just such a visual scene. The way that it was written, it was just, you could see everything that was happening. And I I think that's throughout the Magnus Archive stuff I've loved. Because obviously he moved from this just narration into something that's a bigger audio production and I think certainly on this and the America stuff in general it is much bigger soundscape wise Mm. but then it's still also and I think this is what people love about it it is personal and about people absolutely yeah relationship was always at the heart of it and I also I think the foley and the sound design is just stunning it really is so immersive and cinematographic and I think that is for me I absolutely love it. And also, other people did very well. I'll give it that. (laughs) But I loved working with you. I think this was the first time we'd worked together on it, wasn't it? Yeah, no, it definitely was. I think, was it a hot day? Have I made that up? Were we all really hot? It was very hot. And we were all trying to be on best behaviour as well because, you know, (laughs) it was the first time. Well, I was. I don't know. Were you? Well, I mean, always, but also, you know, just trying to make people laugh and trying to ingratiate myself. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) because we are both improvisers. I do remember us having a bit of a, oh, let's have a fun off on this one. Yeah. Yeah. And Alex loves a bit as well. I mean, that's my memory of first meeting Alex is when I was at Edinburgh in 2013. We were having a pun off in the living room. (laughs) Fabulous. Love a pun run. Everyone got really annoyed and like left. They were like, bye. (laughs) But we just (laughs) kept going. (laughs) So is that how you know Alex and the whole Rusty Quill thing? 
Yeah, well, I know Alex because he was directing Casual Violence and I had gone and stayed in the Casual Violence house back in 2013 with James Ross, who I was friends with primarily from improv. Uh-huh. Yeah, I just got to know everyone then. And, you know, Alex is just kind of stuck around as a, an incredible creative influence and, and someone who I really appreciate as a human being. So, yeah, that was how I first came into contact with him. And to see this and where everything has gone is absolutely amazing. And to be involved in it, even better. Yeah, it is. It's fabulous, isn't it? Yeah. How do you know the guys? What was your introduction? I mean, it's improv again, because I knew Ed Croft or Ed Jollyboat, who I think you might know as well. I do, yeah. He got me into listening to this gaming first I started listening to, and then Magnus. And I liked it so much, I ingratiated my way into the company and started... <laughs> When they wanted an editor, I lied and said I could be an editor and then learned how to be an editor for them. Well, look, fake it till you make it. I think Absolutely. <laughs> That's what YouTube videos are there for. Absolutely. But also because Alex was a brilliant teacher and he kind of was like, okay, this is how you do it. And I picked up quickly. And then he worked out that I actually was an actor and was like, yeah, I can do some acting as well. There you go. The rest is history. Oh, Hello? Sorry, did, did I... Well, I? I don't know. Should I just go? Oh, Brian. Hello? Excuse me. <laughs> Do you work here? Uh, uh, no, I... Hi. I'm looking for Elias Bouchard. He runs this institute. Excuse me, I'm I looking for my husband. I don't, um... May have seen him. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I, I was just, um... Uh, but everyone... When? Uh, sorry, uh, uh, Brian. Uh, Brian Finlandson. Peter Lucas. Lovely to meet you, Brian. Now, am I to understand you don't work here? Uh, no, I was just um, making a statement or, or whatever. Um, That's probably for the best. Elias can be quite protective of his people. Never really understood why. I mean, in the end, the only person you really have is yourself. Wouldn't you agree, Brian? I have to admit, having met you so many times and not actually got to the bits of your episodes, when I finally heard your voice, Peter, <laughs> Alistair, it was, he's here at last! <laughs> when I first heard Mike playing his character and the sheer energy he put into it, it was like, wow, it blew me away. Tim is the living avatar of all 1990s children's TV presenters. <laughs> hey, guys, let's do some macrame. I'm going to blow myself up. <laughs> See, Alistair, I always think there's such an amazing, like, sinister quality that you bring to Peter Lucas. Like, he's so nice. He's so nice. He's so nice. He's so nice. Thank you so much. I have very little self-confidence. So even as I was doing these recordings, I was just like, this is just me. Gradually, over time, what became apparent was it wasn't just me, firstly, because I'm not actually that murdery or murdery at all. <laughs> the thing I, I really loved about Peter that I was very lucky and figured out early was he's really enthusiastic about playing a human. It's like he's trying on a costume that he really likes. There's a piece of dialogue where he's, Martin is showing him how to do computers. He's just really, oh, this is very clever. Isn't this great? Martin, what's a spreadsheet? Could we do one? <laughs> Peter is just completely divorced from the world, but at the same time, he just thinks it's kind of neat, as long as it's over there. It's something I really liked. There is that meme you may have seen of the evil old men lunch club. We're going to have to do that this summer or some point in the... We are. We absolutely are. <laughs> what's the evil old man lunch club? Well, you know how much fan art we have. Well, somebody's drawn... Simon, Elias and Peter around a table 
having tea and discussing things and generally and it's up as the evil old man lunch club and every day on twitter <laughs> some new person likes it and it's been out for like two or three months now fantastic <laughs> the version of that i always get is about eight nine months ago we sent a piece of audio to ben about elias and i forget what it was but his response which was your first mistake was stepping to me at all and then he recorded the big boy man song in elias's voice and that nine months ago, someone finds that once a month, even now. It's just amazing. Well, I used to be in a lunch club with Jody. It's how I know him. On a Thursday afternoon, they used to have like a food market near our workplace. And so me, James Ross and Johnny used to go out for lunch and we called ourselves the Batman Mystery Club. <laughs> After a one-off radio play, which Johnny showed me, which was meant to be a series and it starts at like episode 360 or something. And there's only ever the one. And it's called the Batman Mystery Club. And it's full of like fantastic old timey adverts for Kremel hair cream. <laughs> oh, this you know is what entombed. I thought? Oh, when I woke this up one? here, Daisy and John in the buried. I thought this was hell. I, w I was dead and was in hell. And I. I, I knew I deserved it. I don't want to be a sadistic predator again. I, I don't want to hobble around like some pathetic wounded prey either. I don't know which would be worse. I'm scared now that I won't ever get the choice. One thing I've learned, Daisy, is that we all get a choice. What was this one like to record for you? <laughs> Intense. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> you know, tiring, just super, like, physically tiring as well. And I think we did another one straight after or something like that. It was a long day, that's what I remember. And I hadn't done any of this stuff for a wee while because obviously um, Daisy was in the buried. So I'm not doing a few episodes. So yes, just come straight back in and okay, you're buried under the whole of creation. Make that into a sound. And it's weird, actually. It was after this episode that I kind of switched over in my head from someone who does this occasional voice acting or narration or whatever to I am a voice actor. It was a really interesting switch. And I can't remember if it happened like after recording or after hearing it and going, oh, yeah, that's a whole thing. And I, the soundscaping for this was just gorgeous. Oh, yeah. The people that work on Magnus are just chef's kiss when it comes to, I mean, just all the audio work in general. Yeah, the best way to listen to it, you have to have like proper headphones and get really immersed in it because it just builds up this picture all around you. It's absolutely lush. Mm. And I'm spoiled now. I'm spoiled for other podcasts. The only one that I've been able to really get into so far is Unwell. But different from this, you've not got that constant saturation, you know, that kind of real texture to it. It's just really crystal clear, but very surround sound, lots of layers. Anyway, rather than talk about someone else's podcast. <laughs> Hi, Jeffrey. Yeah. Oh, this was difficult. How do you do these kind of groaning sounds without it sounding way overblown, you know? 
in my case, Alex can tell you, it's generally uh, spending 10 minutes giving me instructions while I, my social anxiety flares to all new levels because I'm like, I don't want to do this in front of someone. Sounds about right. Most of my directions for like season two a bit, most of season three was like, no, angrier, more feral, less patient. Mm -hmm. This one, complete shift, everything had changed, you know? I remember being just shocked when I heard this episode, but I was also just really impressed with your work. Wow. I mean, she sounds different. She sounds like small and vulnerable, but she still sounds like Daisy, which I imagine must have been a really (laughs) difficult thing to do in the studio. It was an interesting balance, I have to say. I saw one review, actually, which said she sounds more Welsh, weirdly. And I was thinking, well, yeah, I kind of did that deliberately because your accent gets stronger when you're more upset. But, yeah. Who are you? Did Peter send you? Uh, You must be Martin. Goodness. He was not exaggerating. I would love to know what that line actually means. Everybody wants to know what that line means. (laughs) Let's start over. Simon. Simon Fairchild. Peter asked me to look in on you and have a small chat. Well, a big chat, really. Answer all those nagging questions. Simon Fairchild. (laughs) Wait, Simon Fairchild as in... As in all those people who said I did horrible things to them and their loved ones? Yes. They have been in, haven't they? I'd hate to think I'm underrepresented in here. Not when Peter tells me that that bone fellow has at least half a dozen... No, no. Not not at all. You've sent plenty of people our way. Brilliant. So... My God, he does Shall terrified rabbits so well, doesn't he? Sorry, I'm still not entirely clear what's going on. What are you doing here? I see. I suppose it was a bit much to expect him to have filled you in on everything already. I mean, in many ways, that's the point. I just right. love his sort of so, gentle ebullience and sort of the slight competition of that bone fellow is at least half a dozen. <laughs> I always picture Simon in a straw boater. <laughs> I always picture him as like the most horrifying version of Ratty from Wind in the Willows possible. You know, just that he's really chipper and friendly and he will eat you. <laughs> it was lovely when I was recording the first time because I was only up to episode seven listening myself at that point. Martin had to sort of fill me in on a whole bunch of lore. And we were discussing the character. And at one point I said, so if he's supposed to be this great evil entity, is it a question of having the basic presence and confidence that I can stroll into the room and I could kill every single one of you? But would you like a cup of tea first? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's absolutely what comes across. I had so much fun recording because it was just so nice. A, recording with somebody else in a studio happens so rarely. Alexander is so fantastic to work opposite, as you can hear. His size and his exasperation when he's like trying to get his head around why Simon is as chipper as he is. Grounding Simon in the fact that he's five, six hundred years old. So he has been there, seen it and done it. He is this sort of epitome of Groundhog Day because he is a god. He has done everything. He's learned how to play the piano. He's learned how to do everything else. Precisely. What else is there to do but have a good time, really? Tea cake and occasional murder. And, yeah, just loving the fact that, yeah. Well, Hawley put this little diving bell together for me. It was fine. We did have the discussion about how to pronounce Hawley. Because, of course, Simon, being a bit of a stickler, would insist he said it properly. Of course. Even after all these years. Because originally, Alex thought, is it Hallie? No. (laughs) Correct pronunciation. I was there. (laughs) Oh, 
evil Bertie Worcester. He's so good. I have to admit, sort of afterwards as well, trying, trying to fill in the Fairchild lore. As I was going through all the episodes, and I was like, oh, there's the other one. And suddenly all the stuff about the space station. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The fact that it was split over several episodes. I think, oh, crikey. So many different aspects of each story coming out through the whole show. To get all the aspect in the space station over a period of a few episodes. I thought that was brilliant, and I loved it. (laughs) Revealing onion-like different layers of the story. What about you, Julia? Care to make a statement? Maybe about how you met Trevor? Sure. Why not? Thank you. It's not like you or your tape recorder get to leave here without us. (laughs) I just love threatening people. (laughs) Statement of Julia Montauk regarding her initial encounter with the hunter Trevor Herbert. Uh, when did this happen? About six years ago. Seven? 2010? Sure. Summer 2010. Statement taken <laughs> direct from me. subject, June 29th, 2017. Statement begins. I tried to live a normal life. I really did. I took jobs working in the back room of offices where I wouldn't need to meet anyone. I had boyfriends who promised they didn't care. I burned through half a dozen counsellors. None of it worked. You see, my father's always remained one of the darlings of the true crime community. Articles, documentaries, grisly retrospectives. I like this one. This is the one we shared between us, wasn't it? Mm, It was. It was a lovely one. She had such a tough legacy to live up to. I mean, how she made it through and is still upright, I think, is a testament to her strength of character, but, you know. Definitely. No, I mean, I think our whole strand is about families. Yeah. Trevor trying to find the family that he didn't have, you trying to outlive the legacy of your family, and then us two broken things finding each other and kind of going, oh, this is all right, then, isn't it? Yeah, oh, I think also, like, as a queer person, that whole idea of chosen family is very strong to me and very prescient. So I think that's something, again, that our relationship in particular, but a lot of relationships throughout it, were people that banded together because of choice versus, like, bloodline. Yes, absolutely. That's very big in the Magnus archives as a whole as well. They are a found family. Family, aren't they? Mm. This is one which is more statement-based because there's this whole thing when Alex is directing us. Mm. You start off and it's just you telling the story in a room, but then you know Johnny's weird eye magic gets into you and you start reliving it. How did you feel about that? I mean, how did you elicit the change between oh, I'm just telling it and eye magic? I think really because obviously we were in the room together at that point. It was pre-pandemic, so therefore we were physically in a space together. So I think that really helped as well, being able to play off of different individuals in the room and to feel those energies. And actually, there was legit eye magic versus it just being a mental imagination. You know, you were able to make eye contact, and I think it was a process of allowing it to develop and permeate and I think the further we kind of got into it and the directorial tips I think were really helpful because Alex has also performed a lot himself and for many many years and I think that performers who become directors are often the best at getting the best out of their actors because they have a common lexicon and a language that they use together because a lot of the time you know you'll have a director just saying be more angry well what does that mean like that's a very spurious concept and it has different implications for different people wherever they might be on the gender spectrum or culturally. So I think being able to work with Alex and all of you guys who were in the room that day and within the performance was wicked because, you know, you all got it and, like, we all shared a language. Yeah. 
you do have Johnny sat there. And as you say, there is something about him sitting there waiting for the words that he said to come out of your mouth that does. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, everyone. It's Helen here, the voice of Azu, Enola, and Laverne. Today, I'm here to tell you about Woe Begone, a podcast launched on the RQ Network. Woe Begone is a weekly horror sci-fi audio drama series about the nature of power and the implications of linear time. Woe Begone follows Mike Walters, who discovers a mysterious and violent online game. What begins as an exploration of an alternate reality game with real-life consequences quickly becomes a search for the technology that makes the game possible. Each episode has a unique soundtrack composed by creator and writer Dylan Griggs. Listen to Woe Begone, spelled woe period begone, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or check out woebegonepod.com for episodes and transcripts. Have fun and see you later. Kind of do the archivist magic in a way, I suppose. It's almost like a summoning, isn't it, I suppose, because so it is written, so it shall be done. Like that's all spells are, isn't it, is words and words are power and bringing it into life. And yeah, seeing the person who's written it sitting there looking at you, it has a magic to it. And I think that is sadly something that we haven't always been able to have over the last while because of the nature of the world. But we've done our best and I think we've created incredible stuff. But there is something very magical about being able to work in communion with cast and crew of people. Yes, I can't wait to get back into an actual rehearsal room again. You did a bit of Inexplicables, didn't you? Yes, I did. Oh, it's so brilliant. It was brilliant, but it was still a bit odd to be doing it over a Zoom call and trying to get that connection going. And it's like, uh, it's kind of 50% there. This episode is distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution non-commercial share-alike 4.0 international license. For more information, visit rustyquill.com. Tweet us at the Rusty Quill, visit us on Facebook, or email us at mail at rustyquill.com. Thanks for listening.